Hello, and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast on the RPG Academy where we bring on a special guest and have them tell us about something cool that they are doing. I am your favorite co-host, the Caleb G, and tonight my very special guest is Brian Feaster. How you doing tonight, Brian? Good, good. Good to, uh, glad to be here, Caleb. Thanks uh, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, it is my pleasure. Uh, through the magic of the internet, <laughs> even though this is the first time that the audience is hearing us chat, we've already had the pleasure <laughs> of playing a game together. And that is, in fact, what we are here to talk about tonight. Nice. Uh, Brian is the creator of Open Legend RPG. And when you are hearing this on October 18, the Kickstarter for Open Legend RPG is live right now. Nice. The link will be in the show notes. Click on over there. Uh, to give you guys the quick preview, I really, really like Open Legend. <laughs> uh, I like just reading through the rules. Playing the game that you're going to hear was amazingly fun <laughs> and i think open legend is a very cool game so even if you don't want to listen to the rest of the podcast go over back it and then we're done so uh we set aside an hour for this interview we're just going to scrap it right now uh tldr go back open legend but no 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 we are here to talk to the man behind this outstanding game here uh, Brian, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience a little bit? Uh, who are you? How'd you get into gaming? Why are you taking on this massive project of writing your own RPG? <laughs> That's a great question. I, uh, uh, I'm a masochist. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, hey, just like every other podcaster out there, welcome to the party. <laughs> yeah, like everybody who makes their own thing, right? Makes their own way. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so... Uh, how did I get into gaming? That's a good one. I uh, started when I was about 13 and um, I was just having this conversation with somebody and I don't remember the context yesterday, but um, one of the one of the things that got me involved was my very out of the box uh, sort of metaphysical healer grandmother or step grandmother who told me I was an old soul and used to play D&D &D in the 1980s in her law office and gave me <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Um, wow. She, yeah, talk about a lot of words that don't belong next to each other, right? Uh, so you are <laughs> destined to be in the RPG industry, is what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, I can't get up. I can't get away from it. So I guess that makes me destined. I can't shake the uh, the love of it. I guess, um, but. <laughs> so that's how I started uh, when I was 13, and uh, I've, I've GM'd ever since uh, I started, for, so it's about 20 years for me. And um, the what happened, uh, so, oh, and, and then, okay, so tell us about yourself, right? Okay, the other thing is that I, uh, by day, I'm a, a software engineer and a user experience architect, so uh, sometimes people ask me, you know, or, you know, maybe compliment like the website or something like that. That's because that's what I do for my day job, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> you know, so anyway, uh, hopefully I'm okay at it. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, I think you're pretty damn good, Brian, because <laughs> the Open Legend website is brilliant and beautiful. Uh, the link for that is, of course, in the show notes as well. If uh, if you don't want to sit here listening to us talk, just click on over. You can learn everything about the game. It's all right there for free. Uh, the core all for free. The core rules are there. The basic layout of how to play, how to run, how to build characters. Uh, that's how I got hooked. Uh, Brian had <laughs> sent us this link. I was looking at it. As soon as I saw everything was right there and the gorgeous artwork, plus how easy the website was to navigate and click through and figure things out, I was sold. So <laughs> while you're listening, swing on over, do yourself a favor, and uh, lay your peepers on nice. uh, all the beauty that is over there. So I appreciate that. Uh, oh, you're welcome. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of praise for yourself and Open Legend in this interview, Brian. So uh, just get used to it. Uh, I'm having so... trouble already, and we just started. <laughs> <laughs> Only five minutes in. All right, I'll try to rein it in a little bit. No, no. Just, so, uh, so no, you were don't. a. <laughs> uh, so you uh, you were destined to be a gamer and a game designer at a young age. Uh, you got hooked on the hobby. Uh, what's a what's a favorite game of yours? What what's something you've always gone to to play and enjoy? Um, for me, it's always been D and I started with D and D, and I've played every edition of D and D except first edition. That was before my time, and I've never done a, a retro throwback. So, oh no, I might have to throw me out as a as a uh, <laughs> an unbeliever because I haven't played first edition. But other than that, I I started with second edition, and I've played third and fourth and fifth edition. Um, but then I have lots of other games that I enjoy a lot, but you know, if I'm answering directly your question, I've definitely spent, you know, I don't know, 95% of my time on Dungeons and Dragons, really. Uh, I've always, one of the reasons that I kind of ended up making my own thing, or I think that I was kind of inclined, I guess, toward it is that, um, I've always played D and D, but for everything that I've done, so, uh, I'm, I'm a strange person because, um, I'm a creator of this campaign setting, Amoria's Dawn, which we'll talk about later. But um, I I like to write my own worlds. So I've this is Amoria's Dawn is maybe like the tenth or something like that world that I've written from scratch for my players and in, in my game or whatever. And um, so with each of those, in order to reinforce the particular flavor of that part- that specific setting, um, I always write custom rules so custom feats and character classes and items and all that kind of stuff i i i almost i almost tend to never use the book on purpose i guess or something i just kind of make everything up because i i get more inspired by the idea rather than the rules being my source and then sort of like fitting that into my campaign so i think open legend borrows a lot or it sort of takes after me that way a little bit i think um you know so yeah, but but yeah, a lot of D and D. I enjoy Paranoia as a funny like one shot game. Um, I love Deadlands. Uh, there's a bunch of mechanic stuff that's inspired from Deadlands and Open Legend. Um, you know, so uh, what else? I mean, I've played some Pathfinder. Um, Pathfinder is not my favorite game, but uh, you know, it's definitely it's it's cool for what it is aiming to be. <clears throat> Wonderful. Well, it is glad to see that you have such a varied background in the hobby that you have brought to game development. I think it is fair to say that a lot of the independent developers we speak with here on the podcast 
have a very similar story to yours. Mm-hmm. They enjoy making a world, making classes, making new parts of the game. Yeah. And then it just evolves into, yep. well, why don't I just change this rule? Oh, well, wait a minute. That means I have to change this rule. Oh, and that means I've, well, mm-hmm. God damn it. I've already written a new game. Yeah. Yep, so yep. now I think <laughs> that's totally fair. Yeah. The snowball effect is uh, quite rapid development here when we start fussing around with the rules here. Sure. Yep. Uh, You teased a little bit about the campaign setting. We will get to that towards the end of the interview. And let me tell you guys, uh, it's really cool. You're going to like it. (laughs) We're going to talk about that a little bit. I've already uh, dipped my toes into the deep end of that pond, and I like it. I like it a lot. Nice. So why don't we talk specifically about Open Legend? Brian, why don't you give us the elevator pitch, the the couple sentence description to catch everyone's interest here and answer that question, what is Open Legend RPG? Cool. Um, I guess Open Legend RPG is, uh, it's a free uh, role-playing game system. That's why it's called uh, Open Legend. The open word comes from the fact that it's open source. So like you mentioned a bit ago, um, we don't hide any of the, the core rules that's right there for everybody to see on the website. Um, it's also uh, open in many ways, so it's open in genre as well. Um, <clears throat> the way the mechanics of the game work, um, secondary effects of like combat are distilled into things that are into like containers that are streamlined. So, for example, um, uh, incapacitated could either mean that you've been knocked unconscious, uh, or it could mean that you've been, you know, turned to stone by a Medusa, right? Um, either one has the same end result. It's just that you're stuck in place, can't move, can't do anything. Um, so Open Legend tries to abstract that. And this actually comes from my background as a computer programmer. Um, I'm very interested in systems that run in a very clean and organized, streamlined way. And so Open Legend really... Uh, that's an important part of Open Legend. So given that, um, it becomes very easy to take it to many genres. Uh, I should give a shout out to, uh, I've done t- lots and lots of playing with uh, Encounter Roleplay. They're a Twitch channel. And if you search for Open Legend on their uh, YouTube channel, you'll find lots of examples of us playing Open Legend. Everything from uh, Weird West to like... Uh, what are some other things I'm thinking like weird West and we did a heavy metal game where everybody was a rock star from the nineties. We did, uh, <laughs> we, we did Amoria's Dawn, which I played with you guys, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, so anyway, my goal is for it to, to be very focused on story. Um, that's the, the kind of the focus of, of the game is to streamline so that there's enough rules to keep people satisfied in character development, but enough store, but, it, but it, not hinder the story, right? You don't have to create a new rule or a new feat or a new item every time you want to introduce some story element. That's kind of uh, a really important goal for me with the game. Wonderful. So to sum up here a little bit, Open Legend is open in multiple definitions of the word. It's open to interpretation of how things function, how the flavor impacts the game itself, but it's also open because before you have even moved to creating a, a finished product to put in people's hands, the game's developed. It's written. It is right here on the internet for people to look 
and play with. And this isn't a trial version. This isn't a beta version. (laughs) This is the rules. (laughs) If you guys want to sit down, run, and roll up characters with Open Legend, you can do it right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's and it's exciting. It's cool. I love the fact that people can get into it. Um, that's you know my goal with that is just like, you know, I remember I uh, I was a kid. You know, when I started playing D anD D when I was thirteen years old, it was not terribly long after the you know the waves had not yet subsided of the satanic panic from the eighties or whatever. And uh, I had lots of family who was worried about me playing D anD D. Uh, when I first started. And uh, I like the idea of putting something out there that's free so that like anybody can use it. Like every kid nowadays, I mean, not everyone, but most kids have access to the internet and they can look up the rules and, and learn it that way. So it even, that's even part of it, you know, like if, if open legend can be the first game that kids play, like, I think that's really cool. And I think that that's like a way to, Hey, you know, some years later, Maybe they'll have money to buy a book or something like that. And if not, that's okay, too. That is a great part of the game development hobby to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, or rather, the profession, I could say. You're, you're doing this for real here. <laughs> uh, that is, that's very important because that means you've, you've cast an eye towards making the game inclusive. You're trying to make it accessible to a lot of different people. Yep. Because we have an expensive hobby. Yeah. Buying books and PDFs is not cheap. It's uh, true. And it's hard to budget that sometimes. So making something accessible, trying to share what you have a passion about creating as easily as possible, that's uh, that's really cool. It's very admirable. Yeah. Uh, let's that. talk – oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about specifics here. I am Professor Crunch here <laughs> on the Academy. It yeah. is my job to know the rules yep. and to be able to explain them. Uh, to be honest with everybody here, I started clicking through the website before we even set up all these interviews and games and stuff. And I was clicking through the rules, and I think what won me over is on – Basically, page one of the core rules. Uh, you, you put something in there, action roll, d20 plus attribute dice. We'll get to that in a second. Yep. Uh, I love two things about what comes next. One, you use the words, all dice explode. <laughs> that makes me super happy. Uh, that's That's more of a... A, a personal enjoyment, though. Yeah. Uh, what really won me over is what you wrote about failing a role. And and this is uh, a quote here from the book, from the website. If the action role is less than the challenge rating, the player succeeds with a twist or the player fails, but the story progresses. Yep. That right there (laughs) tells me so much about you as a developer, (laughs) the games you like to play, the games you like to run. Basically, what you have baked into the core rules is the concept of failing forward, of yes-anding, of recognizing that rolling less than you want sucks, and it can kill the mood of the game. Yep, absolutely. So how did you come up with this idea? Was this just logical common sense, or what did you do? Well, let me, let me, yeah, um, I should tell a little history about that. Um, because Please, go ahead. Yeah, so that actually came about 
um, at the same time. So I started writing Open Legend about five years ago. And uh, at the time when I started writing it, um, two things happened. Uh, fourth edition had been out for a while. Lots of people were unhappy. And fifth edition was rumored. And as well, uh, somewhere not too far from there, Dungeon World had come out. And uh, so this, I mean, I, I just have to totally give credit where it's due. The initial idea, um, the fail forward concept, it's been around in Apocalypse World, but for me, I encountered it first in Dungeon World. Um, and so I, the only thing that I, um, that I took and I, I wanted to change was that I didn't like how failure became something that is kind of a non-option or felt like that to me when I, when I played Dungeon World. Someone out there who's a Dungeon World expert will probably correct me and say that I'm, I'm misunderstanding, but that was just my personal take on it. So I like the idea that, but I thought that the deeper underlying, um, you know, goal or motivation was great. It's that the game shouldn't come, grind to a halt because of the dice. So that to me is the most important part. It's like, that's why it says fail, but the story progresses, right? Because the idea is if you can fail and something bad can happen, but the story needs to change. Like the time when my players were, uh, trying to rig the reactor core of their airship to kill somebody who was in like an inspector who was after them. And then they rolled like in the lower one percentile for possible dice rolls. You know, <laughs> I had to have something bad happen. So the, the whole thing blew to smithereens, of course. Um, but the story moved forward, right? Cause now they have a new problem to solve, you know? So that, that was kind of, and and it's relevant, right? I'm not going to just punish the players. That was they were doing something very risky. They rolled as bad as they could roll, and so you know something bad should happen. That's that's part of storytelling, right? So, but but yeah, I mean, the you know failing forward is in a lot of games, and um, I think for myself, I first encountered it at Dungeon World. So lots of props to those guys. I think it's a great uh, that came from Apocalypse World, of course. But well, I I think. What's important to take away from this here is that by including this in the core rules, by making it very clear to both players and GMs yep. of Open Legend, you are painting the picture of how the games want to go yep. before players even get into the rules and how things work. You are telling everyone involved the story is the most important thing. Yep. Yeah. Keeping things exciting and that story moving. That's what's fun, and that's what we're here to do. Yeah, that's that's a that that reminds me of something that's like I I I like to share about Open Legend. The first thing, the spark for me, um, you know, when I the, the sort of like one sentence that I couldn't get out of my head that caused me to write down and make the game was I wanted a system that could logically be the the underpinning of anything that you read in a book or movie, and I find that like. Because a lot of other games, they're very specific. You know, you have a set spell list. You know, you can do these specific spells. And there are lots of movies that don't have those spells, right? And then you have to argue with the GM to figure out, like, and it's like, oh, but I thought it would do more damage. Oh, but I thought it would also, uh, you know, do this other effect. And then I, I just, I've been locked in those as from both player and GM side over the years. And I just, I got really frustrated with it. And I got really frustrated also with spell lists and a lot of open legend comes from that. You know what I mean? Like 
the idea, we don't have a spell list. You can learn these secondary effects. You can apply them to many different character types, you know, different stories, because we're just trying to quantify the story. My goal was like, okay, I recognize that players will want their assassin character to be able to one-shot kill someone. Okay, let's quantify that. How valuable is it on a scale from zero to nine, which is what Open Legend is? One to everything's one to nine. Actually, um, that's a nine, right? That's the top end. So you put it out there, and then you can access it, and you don't have to argue with the players about you know when that's that ability is available or how powerful it is. You know, I don't. I mean, I think you know what I mean. You're a veteran GM yourself. <laughs> I don't know if I can claim that title yet. <laughs> But I have read through and played many different games. And Brian, I absolutely share your frustration. The spell lists has always been something that's stuck in my throat, (laughs) uh, being limited by spells per day, having to flip through 40 (laughs) pages of spells. God forbid you were playing in the old 3.5 era when you had to bring oh, 15 books to the table <laughs> for one character because every splat book had something new. Yep, yep, yep. That's Jeez, exactly I, I, I very much and very clearly remember my my very first, not my very first, but my first most memorable mm-hmm. uh, 3.5 character, uh, my my cleric who who has lived with me ever since nice i i remember the frustration of printing off the entire cleric spell list all the spells <laughs> and a whole cheat sheet just to try to make it easier <laughs> and then having to scribble in the margins every time i found a new spell in another book yep. or on the forums or in a magazine yeah and then as i've as i've matured as i've evolved in my gm and player preference mm-hmm. i've gotten to that point where the restrictive level based system yeah. that we see in a d20 game yep. a typical d20 game sure, sure. It, it just gets frustrating to me it just gets boring it, yeah. it becomes yep. all right i know what i'm doing i got to deal with this i got to deal with that i, I got to flip through and find all this stuff Open Legend is that breath of fresh air in a game. I mean, I love reading new games. I love flipping through new games. Open Legend is so different, but so similar. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it it hits that perfect niche of appealing to the storyteller who wants rules light games. Yep. It appeals to the crunch master who wants all the big dice rolls and the huge numbers. And that's exactly what. Yeah, you're you're really saying. I'm so glad to hear, hear other people say that because one thing that I get with because you get people who um, they're really committed to crunch and stuff like that, and sometimes it's like balancing between you know story and strategy can become like a bit of a balancing act, and people and then you worry that you're going to alienate one side or the other. And for me, that was actually what. That was my hope is that people who like crunch, people who like, you know, strategy, I think one of their favorite things is rolling lots of dice. And I totally identify as both a, you know, strategy and story, both a fluff and crunch person. 
Um, and so I, I feel like I understand both of them a lot because I, I love to make characters that deal absurd amounts of damage. You know what I mean? Like that is, I mean, I just, I have so much fun with that, you know? And so with Open Legend, you get to roll just a crap ton of dice. And I think that that really satisfies people who are looking to, you know, just beat the crap out of things. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Plus with the way Open Legend is structured, it makes it really easy to, build a character that does exactly what you want it to do yeah there are so many times i have said i want to build a character that does a b and c yep i have this picture in my mind yep. and when i sit down with the rule book yeah exactly it's okay well it kind of does a it does B if I stretch the logic of the rules but c is right out so <laughs> forget it yep. or I can only pick one of them to accomplish with a character. With Open Legend, you really can say, all right, what do I want to be the best at? What's this picture in my head? How do I make it happen? Oh, right here. Yeah. 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 And what's cool is um, we do, we take a weird approach in Open Legend. It's actually almost um, one of the things that takes a little bit of getting used to if you're coming from another game is that you have such a plethora of things that you can do that it's actually a bit of like, it takes some thought, like, okay, like I can do this or, or I could do that or I could do that. There's a good amount of things that are available to everybody. I had one person uh, on Twitter months ago, we were having a talk about what would you love to see a character build for, as an, you know, I'll build out an example for people, you know, like just like how you could build a certain character. Somebody joked about uh, mini Cthulhu's or playing Cthulhu or something. And I, I managed to like, conclude after like 10 minutes of sketching it out in my head that yeah you could actually pretty much access all of cthulhu's abilities at first level you know you can't of course your roles are going to be limited right <laughs> you know what i mean so it's <laughs> that is awesome and <laughs> since open legend is not restricted to a certain genre since so much of it is open yeah. to interpretation if you want to play a cyberpunk game, if you want to play high fantasy, if you want to play something modern, if you want to go Lovecraft, yep. if you want to go Lovecraft superpowers where you, you're better at dealing with the absurd things, if you want to play superheroes, yep. you're always going to be using the same aspects. It's just how you interpret them. Yep. And it's not like you have to sit down and hack the system or reskin it. Exactly. It's baked right in here's what this does it could mean a laser gun it could mean magic lightning right. it could mean psychic powers exactly. use it how you need it to so uh l let's get into the rules a little bit let's get sure. into uh how open legend works for character creation mm -hmm. uh, how the attributes work and how those translate to dice yep. basically here open legend is not levelless there are still levels in the game mm -hmm. uh but you approach character building in kind of a point by yep. uh system a little bit like uh shadow run yeah yeah so brian why don't you tell us a little bit about the attributes and uh and and working with those <clears throat> yeah absolutely so um you have your physical attributes which are like agility uh might and uh, fortitude you have your uh, social attributes, things like uh, pers uh, 
deception and presence, which is your force of personality, um, mental, which is things like your ability to deduce things like logic and learning, which is how much you've studied. So those are the, those are some examples from those. And then the real, you know, the meat of what combat stems from or what a lot of the like really unusual secondary effects like re reading someone's mind, for example, which happened in your game uh, that we played, um, you know, that is, those are locked to the supernatural attributes. And what I've done is in order to prevent the effect where kind of like mages can be overpowered, which is a problem in others like D&D or whatever, um, I, I split out the secondary effects, what are called banes and boons, and we'll talk more about that, um, amongst many different attributes. So the supernatural attributes, there's quite a number. That prevents you from being capable of being excellent at all of them. So you kind of have to decide a little bit more, like, what's your what's your story for your character? Are you a, a prescient, like, you know, character that can see the future and know danger is going to happen and read things and read minds? Are you a enchanter that can, you know, cause people to be your friend and, you know, uh, ultimately control or dominate them? Uh, you know, anyway, there's energy. You talked a little bit about energy. That's just your standard lightning balls, lightning bolts and fireballs and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, for damage. So that that's the that's the overview of the attributes anyway. Um, so that's kind of the, the high level. So essentially here, when you are building a character with open legend, you start with a pool of points that you use to purchase yep. uh, attributes. Yep. And and of course you have the uh, pre-outlined quick build. You can just pick some numbers from, yep. or you can start with a pool and purchase them according to a chart there in the book. Yep. Uh, and essentially, you're just choosing what's most important. Yeah, exactly. All right, if I want to be a rogue, I'm going to maybe put some stuff in agility, yep. some some mental things, so I'm better at observing people and hiding. Yep. I don't have to take supernatural powers. Nope. I can just focus purely on my physical talent and boost those all up. Yep. Or I can purchase a few supernatural bits and pieces here and there. Absolutely. And... Since you are picking and choosing how you invest and build your attributes, that's where the freedom comes from. Yep. So if you put in your head, all right, I want to be a physical brawler who can also cloak my fists in shadows yeah. to somehow hit harder, yep. I can invest in those attributes that are necessary to do that. Yep. Yep. It's not like in D&D where I would have to think about multi-classing. Yeah, exactly. Or, all right, well, I can't do this until I hit third level, and then I have to wait till sixth level to get that feat I need, <laughs> and I have to make sure that yeah. I invest my skill ranks the right way. Yeah. It's all right there. Yeah. And, and part of Open Legend, as you're leveling up, you get more attribute points. Yep. You can save some back and invest them later on. You can just invest them as you go. You've made it very easy to customize a character Yep. And also see them develop as the game progresses. And you can always, you also guarantee that your attributes uh, have the potential to increase at every level. There's actually, there's a math, there's some math behind it, which is that the highest it can ever cost to increase your attribute is uh, nine. So if you have an attribute score of eight, and so every time you, you progress to a new level with an attribute, you're simply paying the cost 
in in points equal to the new score. So in other words, if I want to go from an eight to a nine, then that's going to cost me nine points. And for that exact reason, every time you level up, you get nine points so that even when you hit ninth level, you're still going to get the nine points you need to make that attribute go from eight to nine. And nine is the, we should mention, is the ceiling. So that's the, you know, a ninth level, you reach your pinnacle for what an attribute can be. Um, so, yeah. And here's where the dice pool gets really fun because <laughs> yeah. the attributes translate into a big pile of dice. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> and uh, so if your attribute score is, for example, one, you roll a d4. Yep. And when you are using that skill, it's a d20 plus a d4. Yep. When you crank it up a little bit, you're progressing through the dice steps, and then you start to uh, get double dice. <laughs> so when your attribute score gets to, say, a 5, then you're adding a 2d6 yep. to that d20 roll. Yep. And since everything explodes, when you hit maximum on anything, including the d20, <laughs> you keep rolling and you add it all together yes you do and i and one of the things that i you know dice pools aren't new i mean lots of other games do dice pools but what always frustrated me about the mechanics with other systems is um I, i'm not i just i mean to each his own i was never a big fan of the idea of uh x or higher on a d6 is a success and so you're kind of counting like i got five successes i think that's a like a white wolf system thing right you know and um like, I just never, it's just too abstract for me. I think people, you know, people play video games where you have hit points and damage totals, like, for a reason. Like, that is the most friendly and familiar way to, for people to be introduced to the game. So I, I wanted to keep the thing where numbers are meaningful, you know, and that really makes it, for me, that makes it a lot more fun because when I roll a d20, you know, it's like... I know that I could roll another 20 and it has happened and I have seen people roll 70 and like kill something that I thought was going to take a long time for the whole party to kill in one hit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that um, so it's a little familiar, like you'll find that defense scores are not very different from D&D, &D, for example. You know, that's a thing with Open Legend. Uh you know, so yeah, I like the idea of number totals being important. So I feel like that's the most logical way for people to sort of come at the game. That's just my opinion anyway. And speaking as someone who has rolled from complete and utter failure into 40 plus, <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and one of the cool things you have done to let those big numbers be more fun and make the game a little bit more streamlined, you've just basically used the, the totals to define your damage. Yep. When you're rolling a, a big chunk of numbers, if I hit someone, the damage becomes the difference between their defense and my total result. Yep. Really easy, really streamlined. It's very cool, very simple. That's that's like uh, you know that that's like what's the worst thing that could happen in D and D? You have a you have a, a great axe or whatever is a D twelve or something, and you roll a crit, and then you roll double ones, right? You know, like mm -hmm. so in Open Legend, that actually reinforces the core the core guiding principle, which is every roll matters, right? So by not making you roll a second thing to sort of back it up, 
we we're reinforcing the idea that that roll really does count. When you roll a 70, I mean, it's limited to the scope of what you're trying to do, but you're not going to have to sort of worry about like, oh, I rolled a 20, but it didn't end up meaning anything. That's like very unlikely in Open Legend. So. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, just adds into everyone having a lot of fun at the table yep. and those big, exciting, dramatic moments. Uh, character building then continues. You've got feats, uh, very similar to feats in uh, 3-5, 4th edition era. Yep. Uh, there's trees uh, yep. where feats build on each other. Yep. Uh, there are very easy to follow prereqs based on your attributes. Yep. Uh, the feats are really fun. They are ways to just boost what you want to do, find ways to specialize. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the feats let you do things automatically or lower the threshold to do the really cool thing even easier. Yep. Uh, but I, what I think is the most fun aspect of Open Legend is the Banes and the Boons. <laughs> so uh, why don't you explain those here sure. uh, to everyone, Brian? Yeah, so the idea with Banes and Boons is um, <clears throat> we've, like I sort of hinted at a little bit ago, you know, like I gave the example of the incapacitated Bane, right? So that could represent a wizard sleep spell or it could represent a rogue uh, like knocking somebody upside the head and you know KOing them or something. Uh, but the idea with Banes and Boons is uh, there's two ways to do an attack. So when you're when you're going to make a, a combat roll, an attack roll, you have two choices. You can either do a Bane attack or you can do a damaging attack. If you choose a Bane attack, it's super simple. Um, you don't have to figure out like weird modifiers for uh, people's defenses and whatever. You're just, you know, if you look up the Bane, it'll have x attribute versus y defense and all you do is you roll that attribute if you have that attribute and your um so every bane has a power level so it goes from from zero through nine so if i have a, a bane score if i have an attribute score of five then every bane associated with that particular attribute i can do the ones that are five or less in their power level um so that being said um, when I make an attack, like I was saying, I can choose to do a Bane attack. And it's very simple. Like if you want to incapacitate someone and open legend can get very fast because of this in terms as, as far as like how combat plays out, because you can roll to just incapacitate somebody. You simply have to have a five or better score because that's the power level of the incapacitated Bane. And then you have to hit their defense. That's it. And I, I love it because I think it's simple. And then that, so if you want to like be a wizard that lights people on fire with some kind of inferno, you could choose to just light them on fire and not do damage up front, but then you trigger that bane. And then, you know, they take damage, of course, on their turn, just like any other persistent damage effect. And then the other side of it is you can make a damaging attack. So if you make a damaging attack and you beat the target's defense by 10 or more, then you also get to choose a bane to inflict as well. So what we're doing is we're defining exceptional success with a real simple straightforward formula. It's the defense plus 10. You know, so if I attack somebody who has a target has a defense score of 17 and I roll a 27, then I get to tack on a secondary effect. And the idea is we kind of tell the story after the fact, right? You just roll to see what you're going to do. You know the general idea of which attribute you're using. And then 
you, you use your energy score and you're a mage. We'll stick with the fire example. And I roll a 27. It's like, okay, I want to light those guys on fire. So now they have persistent damage in addition to also taking the 10 points of damage that they just took. Um, so, and in that way it's, it's been, it's been crazy because the Banes can just fly real fast and furious in the game and you can, you know, knock somebody off of the ledge and th send them to their death in a real fast kind of a way. Um, but characters, uh, can be fragile too. You know, it goes both ways. The, the, the enemies can easily be dispatched that way. It allows for a, an interesting and flavorful exchange without getting kind of bogged down in, Hey, we're 13th level. Everybody has 500 hit points and we're going to be here for three hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so yeah, I mean that, so that's the, that's the idea. And it's been really cool just to see people like when they're playing, it really inspires storytelling because they'll, they'll roll that high roll that they weren't expecting to come out. And then you'll see that light come on where they realize a particular bane that's perfect for the story that's happening right now. You know what I mean? It's been like, for me, it's really delightful just to see people like have that experience. It's, it's awesome. Uh, and, and just like yourself with the 40 that you turned, you sort of snatched from the jaws of defeat. Um, I've seen a lot of people where, pe you know, I've never seen so much celebration over rolling the dice because you could, you see 50 and people go buck wild. People lose their minds, you know, when it happens. <laughs> That's very, very true. So uh, to kind of summarize here, <laughs> Banes are more or less status effects, yep. special conditions, battlefield events that happen. What you do beyond just hitting someone with a weapon or a spell. Yep. You, can, you can choose to simply let that Bane happen, go for that effect, yep. or you can combine it with an attack, and that is where the role comes in. That's why the role is so important. Yep. Yep. And sure. these are the things that are open to interpretation. This is where it gets fun. So let's say you were using the incapacitated Bane. Mm -hmm. That could be anything. That could be a sleeper hold yep. to knock them out. That could be yep. uh, a paralyzation I-beam or technology or yep. Yep. some sort of poison or psychic powers it Absolutely. it could be a song it could be yep. hypnosis right yep. it, it could be yep. anything that fits the genre you're playing right exactly and the flip side of that coin then is the boon and the boons are the good things yep. the yep. the powers that help you as a player things like healing yep. or casting darkness or flight uh haste the things that are useful to you, your utilities, yep. things that are not just I roll energy to do a, a fireball, I use energy to do this or do that. And again, they are all open to interpretation based on the genre that you are playing in. Right, exactly. So uh, there's, of course, more to the game. Uh, everyone needs to run over to <laughs> openlegendrpg.com and read through it all. Uh, but we are not just here to talk about this awesome game. <laughs> we are here to talk about the Kickstarter, which is live today nice. on the 18th. Uh, the game exists. The game's written. I can read the game right now. <laughs> what are we doing with the Kickstarter, Brian? What What are you bringing into reality for us? 
So <clears throat> the Kickstarter is about two things. Um, it's about printing the rules because some people like to have a, a physical artifact, uh, you know, print version of the rules. And also uh, finishing up, getting all the art together, all the layout done for the PDF. I believe that, I hope that people feel uh, that I'm being generous by letting the rules be out there for free, forever free on the website. It's never going to change. They'll always be there. But, you know, there's the pretty version. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we have to I have to keep the lights on and pay the bills somehow. Um, so <laughs> so you'll, true. you can uh, you can buy the PDF. You can you can also buy the, the physical rule book. Uh, that'll be part of the Kickstarter. And then the other big piece is uh, as a companion, because I thought that the rules by themselves um, one thing I, I want to mention, I have, I've my vision for Open Legend. When we talk about not getting sort of uh, bogged down with, uh, you know, having like a different ability or a different rule set for a million different things, one of the reasons, one of my visions is I really want to write content for RPGs that is story focused, not having to reinvent the wheel every time you tell you change to a different genre. I, I'm just really not a fan of that. I don't like that, and that's what this is all about. So I wanted to set and uh, sort of start out with an example. So that's what uh, Amoria's Dawn is a campaign setting, and that's what that's all about. Is um, it also demonstrates the fact that thanks to the flexibility, you can combine things that normally don't go together. So Amoria's Dawn is. Uh, I'll talk more about it, but like really high level, there's there are really cool steampunk elements. There's very high high uh, high fantasy elements. There's almost sci-fi like elements. There's a, a jungle world that's just like uh, this crazy verdant jungle with all kinds of crazy stuff in it. It's a it's a exploratory kind of a like world, right? Where there's lots of things to discover and and to explore. Um, so that being said. Um, it combines these different genres, but there's no problem from the rules perspective, right? Because it's all just part of the streamlined uh, way that we go about things in Open Legend. Um, so I think the rule that it's meant to serve as an example for people who are trying to understand or wrap their mind around what is probably a, maybe a different paradigm than what they're used to. Should I should I go ahead and read some of like a little bit of an intro about that, Caleb? Or what do you think? Absolutely. I think we've been teasing it long enough. Let's tell the <laughs> listeners about this very cool campaign setting that will be part of uh, Open Legend's existence here on Kickstarter in the real world. Very cool. Um, so uh, we've got some super exciting uh, faces that are contributing as well. So I, I wanted to shout them out first because uh, some of what I'm about to read is actually written by Ed Greenwood. Um, so we have Ed Greenwood, he's writing, he's the author of Forgotten Realms, or the creator of Forgotten Realms. Uh, Matthew Mercer, you guys probably know him from uh, Critical Role on Geek and Sundry's Twitch channel. And then uh, John Wick, uh, he's the author of the Seventh Sea RPG, which did really well earlier this year in 2016. Um, so uh, so the Amoria's Dawn campaign setting consists of two worlds. Uh, there's the homeworld of Schlechtenberg, which is an epic uh, megalopolis of a city. It's 100 miles wide, uh, has five levels in, in terms of uh, sort of stacked on top of each other. Uh, Ed, Ed Greenwood is the writer for Schlechtenberg, and it is a smog-wreathed cesspool of industry and mechanical ingenuity. Uh, the resource-starved city has grown and consumed and steamrolled many subcultures in its growth toward the behemoth that it is today. 
Uh, driven to the brink of self-destruction, the Council of Three, archmages that form the ruling Magocracy, have reopened a portal that was opened nearly a hundred years ago, except those who traveled through it never returned and were never seen or heard from again. Uh, reopening and stepping through that same portal in a desperate gamble, the people of Schlechtenberg found themselves in a savage jungle world with a desperate hope that they might supply the needed resources to save their dying homeworld. Amoria, the jungle world, is inhabited by a, vast, a number of vastly different elven tribes. House Valorian are a collective of savage shamanic elves strung out on hallucinogenic plants and lost in the weave, as they call it, a mystical web that binds all life together, but tainted by a nightmare energy. House Nivenilia are advanced bioengineers that tinker with the basic building blocks of life, the ones that others say ought not to be tampered with, but with fantastic results. They live in a city where the structures themselves live, breathe, glow, and move, and they have fine-tuned their bodies to communicate wordlessly via pheromones and absorb energy via photosynthesis. Uh, an offshoot of House Nivenilia are a tribe of freakish mutants who have taken bioengineering too far and turned themselves into abominations and cannibals. Uh, House Ruviel are a regal people with a long-standing tradition of deep wisdom and connection with the weave, but they have fallen onto, into bitter sorrow. Their former leader was killed, uh, met a tra meeting a tragic end as a result of one of House Nivenilia's experiments, and their leader has been unable to forgive or move past this whole uh, tragedy. Uh, the main theater for this, the campaign is, uh, is Amoria, the New World, hence the name Amoria's Dawn. A typical campaign involves the players being set free to explore Amoria and discover its intricate blend of danger, adventure, and political turmoil that makes the situation uh, far more delicate than meets the eye. Um, and uh, I feel like I talked for a really long time, so I'm trying to think how we can... I want to read from Ed. That, that was my own summary. I'd really like to read a little bit of what Ed wrote. So I guess I'll just, I'll just keep going. So Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's hear what Ed has written about this. So Schlechtenberg is the city, the largest gathering of sentience dwelling and working in one place that has ever been. Its tall and many spired buildings sprawl for 100 miles from one edge to the other, having outgrown ever larger concentric rings of walls many times over. And it has expanded not just outwards, but up. So its soaring buildings blot out the sun, leaving most of its cobbled and refuse-strewn streets in a perpetual gloom. Those streets meander, winding like tunnels around the walls of city structures that rise, many balconied and irregular, with great brick and, brick and iron-framed beasts attached one to the other by many bridges, both covered and unroofed in a grimy maze in which one place looks very much like another. The great smoke, it stinks, in a bewildering, ever-shifting mixture of pungent and caustic reeks that assault the nose, lungs, and eyes. Nor does it ever fall silent, persisting in ever-present rumbles of machinery and vats seething in reactions and shrieks of stressed metal, and the thunder and clang of a thousand forge hammers and stamping mills. Its citizens are used to this unending cacophony, to the ceaseless distraction of many movements on all sides, and the filth and stink, for heavy fogs... <clears throat> Uh, belch from vats and forges billowing with soot that clings to walls and to and clothes and skin uh schlechtenberg um and then sort of skipping down a bit uh there's there's we have a couple different classes i'll read one little excerpt from the uh 
they're called uh, here dwell the the flare or the quality or behind their backs the sneer noses the grandly jacketed fashion conscious high society of those who have or aspire to wealth power and influence a rarefied stratum of folk who inhabit the highest towers where the, the breezes sweep away the worst of the heavy clinging foundry fogs and stinks and private cloud yachts and clanking airship taxis crowd for space around roof spire mooring masts they f <clears throat> they front the factions and faiths and establish causes and societies skirmishing often and haughtily with each other and with upstart with the upstart talon who front cults and new causes so the talon are yet another uh class or you know circle in society so that that bit is from ed um and uh i think that's a good sort of intro if not slightly long-winded i'm I never know uh, about these things. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think that was perfect. Here's what I really love about this. The setting is cool. It's steampunk. It's magic. It's a little bit of everything. It's fun to play in. There's a lot of story hooks. You've got an amazing group of writers here to bring this vision to life. But here's why I think this is a really smart, really cool thing to do with Open Legend. Open legend does not have a genre. Yep. It, it's open to use how you want. In the current age of games evolving yeah. to let players do more things, yep. a lot of times yep. we are paralyzed by freedom of choice. Yep. I can speak from experience. The very first time we as a group here on the Academy played Wushu, yeah. where there is literally no setting. It's just do whatever you want. Yep. We spent a very long time just trying to decide a genre, mm -hmm. let alone our characters. That paralysis yep. of freedom of choice is insane. So you've given us the ability to take advantage of freedom, but you've also said, hey, in case you don't know what to choose, <laughs> why don't you try this? Yeah. So you, you've given us a place to start. You've given us a way to see the rules and their uniqueness, how they operate. So uh, that's cool. I think everyone is going to love this campaign setting. Uh, if you haven't by now while you've been listening, swung over to Kickstarter to look at what's available. Let's talk a little bit about... Uh, some of the rewards mm -hmm. that people can see here. Yeah. Uh, Brian, what's what's the entry point? What does it take to get Open <clears throat> Legends with the awesome, outstanding, beautiful art <laughs> so that I can have the book, whether uh, electronic or hard copy? What's that entry point? What, what's the least I can spend? Uh, the least you can spend uh, right now, the, the plan is that the PDF's only version of... of uh, Either Amorius Dawn or the Core Rules, either one uh, is twenty dollars. Um, so that that's the entry point uh, for uh, where we start from, anyway. Perfect, perfect. In this age of independent development, in this time where some people are using crowdfunding to do different things and in different ways, one of the things that everyone talks about is that entry point. Yep. Yep. Is the game locked away behind hundreds of dollars at the minimum level? Is it just the price I could get it on the shelf when it's printed? Right. What's appealing to me? What makes me want to lock onto this Kickstarter and get in there early? Yep. 20 bucks for a PDF that is gorgeous and useful, that's a perfect price. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. so. So right there, folks, 
if you want to play Open Legend, yes, you can do it for free. But if you want to get uh, Brian's work, if you want to support him, if you want artwork that is even cooler than what is on the website. <laughs> and let me tell you, just on the homepage, that giant wolf, <laughs> I love it. That's, I, I think, I some of my favorite art I've ever seen. I've just been staring at it the whole time we've been having this interview. <laughs> I like it so much. Oh, uh, so if you want more of this quality, that's what 20 bucks is for. Yep. Perfect. But, of course, there's more. Yeah, and I've got an amazing team. You know, uh, My illustrators are amazing. I am... Uh, you know, when I was in, in college uh, or when I was in high school, I uh, I spent most of my time preparing and thinking that I would go into art. Uh, I'm not a very good artist myself, but uh, I like to think that I do have good taste in art. It's one of the things I, I, I believe about myself is true. Uh, so I have a very high standard and uh, my artists will tell you that. <laughs> so. That is awesome. You know, I, I, we've all gone through that change. We've all started one place and ended up in another. Yep. But the fact that we carry over our passion and our drive yeah. just means this is doing what we're meant to do. Yep, yep. Absolutely. And in your case, you were destined to do it anyway, so it was <laughs> inevitable. Uh, but there are some other rewards. Yep. There are hard copy rewards. Yep. There are rewards with both hard copy and PDF. Uh, you know, I'm seeing one in there that says Collector's Edition. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Brian? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the Collector's Edition is going to be, um, it's probably going to be a canvas. So for people who are familiar with uh, hardcover books that have like a dust jacket, and then if you can, re you can remove the dust jacket and underneath is a, a nice, a really beautiful canvas finish. And uh, we're going to gold, uh, gold foil imprint uh, the open legend logo on there. Um, so it'll, it'll be like a real sort of sophisticated and refined, uh, presentation of the book, but you'll still get the, the dust jacket, which will have the, uh, the, the beautiful artwork as well. Um, so that's, that's the, that's at the, the hundred dollar level. Um, so that's, uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to get my copy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the fact that you're looking forward to getting your own book is always a good thing. And of course, there are some higher level pledges as well. I, I want you to, you guys to swing over to Kickstarter. The link is in there. Check out everything Brian and his team are working hard to get out to you. There are some really cool rewards out there. There's some fun ways to get involved with the development. There's some fun ways to maybe have Brian run a game for you. <laughs> uh, so swing over to the website, swing over to Kickstarter, and check it all out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about stretch goals, Brian? That is always an important part of a Kickstarter campaign. What's, what's the big picture? What are you hoping for? I don't want to overdo it on detail, but I do want to be honest and real blunt with people, real like forward with people about this. Uh, so the Kickstarter, uh, the funding goal is going to be ten thousand. Um, if we, if I raise exactly ten thousand, I will have lost money, and I'm okay with that because I'm doing something that I love, and I don't want people to be scared away by like this sort of wall where you. Uh, one thing I feel like we're seeing a grow, uh, increase in is uh, camp Kickstarters that have a, a really high minimum and then like they fail because nobody wants to get involved. So I, I'm happy for people to get involved. Uh, and I think, you know, 10,000 um, hopefully doesn't sound too intimidating to people. But anyway, beyond that, some of the lower tier goals are about 
um, me actually covering the cost of the pro that went into the project. So, you know, at 13,000, it's Dan Dillon from Kobold Press and uh, Southland's campaign setting, the Four Horsemen. He joins the team. Uh, it just represents covering the, these costs, right? And then 18,000 is John Wick from Seventh Sea and Legend of the Five Rings. 23,000 is Matt Mercer from Critical Role. Uh, you know, voice of McCree and Overwatch for people who don't know that he's a voice actor. Um, and 28,000 is Ed Greenwood. Uh, you know, but the good news is, because people are probably like, oh, a little miffed about that. The good news is that there are stretch goals that are going to be really cool for people. Uh, every 5,000, starting at 15,000, we're doing a backer tier giveaway. So if you are already in, this is a great reason to get in early because. The earlier you you uh, pledge at, to the Kickstarter, the more chance you have to be a winner in the backer tier giveaway. So the backer tier giveaways happen every $5,000 and they involve either me running a session for you virtually and you and your group. Um, you can choose from these options. You can either get, you can also get another hardcover book. So maybe you got just the core rule book and you can choose to also get the Amoria's Dawn campaign setting book for free. You can get, uh, we're going to do uh, decks of cards for Banes and Boons because it's nice to have them for reference in front of you when you're playing. You can choose to uh, get one of those. Um, yep. So that, those are, and also uh, if you, if you want uh, to upgrade from a regular hardback to the limited edition one even that's even a, a an option with the backer tier giveaways and so someone will be randomly selected every five thousand dollars that we raise and uh, the sooner you get in the more the more drawings you'll be uh, in the running for <laughs> cool so you've got a big goal set yep but you've also got a lot to support getting to that goal and going beyond it yep and what's really really important here the game's developed. Yeah. This is not in progress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, there's more work to do on layout and art and some of the other aspects. The, the finer points are still being yep. finalized. But the game itself is done. That's what is free online right now. This is not a project that you are still working on. It's still in beta. Right. Like some other games that we've talked about. And there's nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. Yeah, sure, sure. But Open Legend is done. It's ready to go. So yep. the point of this Kickstarter is simply to let your vision, Brian, take its full form. Get the book. Get yep. the art. Yep. Get everybody involved. So uh, I want to add one thing about stretch goals because I was talking about the lower tier goals. The one thing I, sh I feel like I would be remiss to, to miss, some of the big ones are um, other outside of the backer tier giveaways at 50000 um, if we get that high, uh, I'll do a fifth edition conversion because I know, uh, Matt Mercer, I hope that a lot of his fans are interested in this because he's writing for it. And, uh, I thought, you know, that's a fifth edition crowd. So I would love to see, uh, to provide those people with a fifth edition version because, Hey, you know, D and D cool too. Um, I'm not knocking D and D or anything like that. Um, so, you know, you'll, everyone who's, who's pledged at a certain level will get a, a free PDF if they've, you know, if they've uh, pledged to get Amoria's Dawn, they'll get the the fifth edition version as well in PDF form. Um, so that's a that's a big one. Having like a place where you can log into the website, create characters and save them, create NPCs and save them, uh, 
We have things like short stories that represent different parts of the campaign world, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there because there are some other uh, beyond just, you know, covering costs and having these backer tier giveaways. Those are some of the really cool things. That is wonderful to share, Brian. Thank you. It tells us that you have a bigger plan for Open Legend. You are not just stopping with writing it and getting it printed. You are looking to the future. You've got more (laughs) in store for us. And I would hazard a guess that uh, (laughs) there is even more down the road after the chaos of Kickstarter subsides. (laughs) We're going to continue to follow Open Legend and uh, keep reading its story. Folks, uh, Open Legend is an outstanding game. I cannot tell you that enough. Uh, We are going to have a trial of the game in future episodes, so stand by to listen to those. You will hear the trial team playing open legend brian is gonna run for us (laughs) we had a hell of a time playing this game easily one of the most fun one most entertaining games we have played here (laughs) on the rpg academy i had an absolute blast this appealed to me with the crunchy dice and how characters are built and rolling that massive dice pool (laughs) it appealed to me as a game that allows me to have narrative control and have fun with the setting and just tell an amazing story. Guys, this is a new game, but it builds on the foundation of the past and it lets you do things that you just couldn't do before, or you were frustrated about trying to find out a way to do it. There, there is so much freedom within open legend RPG. You guys are going to love it. I don't care if you are from the old school. I want my levels. I want my D20. I want my skill ranks. (laughs) I don't care if you're from the new school. I want rules light. I want narrative control. I want vagueness. Mm -hmm. You will find something you love in Open Legend RPG, and you will have a great time playing. So click on the links in the show notes. Check out the rules if you are unsure. Check out the Kickstarter Guys, let's make this happen. (laughs) I appreciate that, Caleb. (laughs) Brian, thank you so much for talking to me tonight. Thank you again and in advance for the games that people are about to listen to. And uh, anything else to to wrap up tonight before we get out of here? No, I mean, I, I, I guess the last thing I would say, and I say this a lot, is the most important thing to me is that people play the game. I What I want is for the game to be around and... A more well known in you know a number of years from now. My biggest goal is that pe- is is just that people have fun. I, I'm not actually all that concerned about the other stuff. Is just details, and uh, you know the, if you if you think it's cool, the best thing you can do is play it and tell me that you did. You know, reach out to me on Twitter at Open Legend RPG, and uh, you know I would absolutely love to hear from you guys. And thank you for listening. I really appreciate everybody's time in doing so. Alrighty, there you go. Wrapping it up from the creator of Open Legend RPG himself, Brian Feaster. Thank you for joining us here in the RPG Academy. Everyone else, click on those show notes, swing over to Kickstarter, enjoy Open Legend. Stay tuned for the actual play trial airing later this week and into next. For myself, Michael, and everyone at the RPG Academy Network, we will see you next time. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.